0: for Women's Focus, and I'm talking to Elaine Kmark about her new book, Picking the Vice President, one of many books that you've written at the Brookings Institute. So thank you for being here with us on Women's Focus.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Until I heard about this book, I hadn't thought that much about the importance of the vice president, but now, of course, it's very important to women because that is our hope for getting a woman close to the presidency and into power. The role of the vice president and picking the vice president has changed over the years, but you especially emphasized how important women are as a voting bloc in bringing the choice of a woman vice president to the fore.
1: Well, right. There's sort of two parts to this story, okay? The first part is that beginning with Bill Clinton's choice of Al Gore to be on the ticket, he changed the entire way we think about the vice presidential selection. And the reason he could do that is that in the old days, when candidates for president were nominated through a convention system with very few primaries, what happened when people gathered for the convention was that there was often there wasn't a front runner, unless, of course, there was an incumbent or something. But if there wasn't a front runner, then the the conventions would have to negotiate sometimes for days in order to get enough votes to nominate somebody for president. And along the way, there were lots of deals made. And obviously, the biggest, most important deal was, who was going to be the vice presidential candidate, because a lot of times, you know, the candidate would pick somebody who would be have sort of the second highest votes or a block of votes, and that's how the VPs got on the ticket. That meant that there were presidential candidates and vice presidential candidates who often came from different parts of the country, had different ideologies, and didn't even like each other very much. And there's a lot of funny stories about that, okay? So that was the old system. The new system really kicks in with Bill Clinton's selection of Al Gore in 1992, because rather than picking a liberal from the Northeast who would balance Clinton's centrist southern background, he picked another southerner centrist just like him. In other words, he picked somebody that emphasized who he was and someone that thought like him, came from the same region of the country, and who could be a real partner in governing. And once that happened, the VP selection really never went back to the old days of, quote, balancing the ticket. So that's sort of the background. Then we come to 2020, And we find a little bit of both in the equation. It is very clear that one of the defining characteristics of the 2020 election is going to be the enormous gender gap that has developed with women being very much opposed to Donald Trump and, therefore, in the Democratic column. And we've never seen a gender gap like this. We saw it coming because in the 2017 off-year elections, in the 2018 midterm elections, and in the 2019 special elections, women were disproportionately voting for the Democratic candidate, no matter who it was. And this year we're seeing that uh, Biden's leads are disproportionately female. And we're finding that even in states where the Republicans are running a female candidate, women are voting for the Democratic candidate, even if the Democrat's a male. The most stark example there is the Arizona Senate race. So going into 2020, it was clear that something major was going on with women as an electoral block in the Democratic Party. And so that's why Joe Biden you know, long before he had the nomination totally locked up, said, I'm going to put a woman on the ticket. And it was pretty clear because of the way the politics was developing that we were going to put a a woman on the ticket if the candidate was a man or vice versa. And so we come to his choice of Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris fits both profiles. Not only does she offer the political balance of a huge Huge voting block, women are fifty five percent of the electorate, so they're the biggest voting block. But she has a background that is very, very similar to other to the backgrounds of other presidential candidates and other presidents. in other words, she's got extensive experience in government at the national level, at the state level. She was the prosecutor in and attorney general in the biggest state in the union. So she's, she's somebody who is undoubtedly qualified and she fits Joe Biden's ideology. In other words, he did not seek to put a far left of center candidate on his ticket. He sought to put someone on his ticket that would be more like him and therefore he can give her some substantive responsibility. And that's what we've seen in all the president and vice president pairs since 1992, which is that the vice presidency is now a substantial job with real responsibility. And a lot of that goes back to the way they're chosen. They are no longer chosen to balance the ticket. They are chosen to help the president
0: do the job. And that's what we have here. The other thing that I liked that you said We've seen a gender gap before sort of emerge and then develop, but it seems as though the women voting bloc has power now, and it didn't before.
1: Right. Well, the reason is that for the gender gap to be meaningful, you have to have women voting disproportionately for one party and men not voting disproportionately for the other party. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so so that you know, you have to understand it in two ways. I mean, there's there's been a gender gap around for a long time. M- women have in fact had a preference for the Democrats. But if it's equaled by or overridden by men's preference for Republicans, then it it doesn't mean anything.
0: Mm-hmm. What we're
1: finding this time is that women's preference for Democrats across the board and for Biden is much, much, much bigger than men's preference for Republicans. So, for instance, in some of the Biden polling, what you see is men are splitting pretty much 50-50, right, you know, between Biden and Trump, but women are going sometimes as high as 64% for Biden over Trump. So that's what gives them the edge. If women were going 64% for Biden and men were going 64% for Trump, we wouldn't we wouldn't have the same power in the gender gap.
0: Yeah, okay. Another thing that you brought up that I thought was interesting is that the job of president has become too big, and so presidents have to think of vice presidents. They have to want their help. They they have to yeah. give them actual power and duties because they can't do it all themselves.
1: That, that's right, which is why I think the new model, what I call the – the partnership model, that's why I think it has persisted into the 21st century, is, is that, first of all, you don't have to balance the ticket anymore. And secondly, the president needs help, uh, pure and simple. I mean, every vice president from, if we take starting in 92, if we start with Gore and then we go to Dick Cheney and then we go to Joe Biden. Every vice president has had substantial autonomy and authority unparalleled in prior years. And it, it's not a function of their background. I mean, we had vice presidents like Lyndon Baines Johnson under Jack Kennedy who were enormously skilled politicians and experienced. I mean, you can argue that Johnson was more experienced than Kennedy, but yeah. Johnson was classic, Johnson was a classic balancing pick. And he was basically cut out of the action. He was never given anything very responsible, very big to handle during the vice presidency as something that he, you know, was, was royal, really mad about (laughs) also for most of, um, most of his vice presidency. So it's not a function of the quality of vice presidents. We've had many vice presidents with, you know, very substantial governmental backgrounds the new vice presidency is a function of the level of trust between a president and a vice president.
0: Do you think it's also with the expectations of people around them? Also, does that come into play around the president and the vice president?
1: Well, I I mean, yes. I mean, I remember that Roy, by the way, I worked for Al Gore, so I, I had some experience with this.
0: And I remember
1: that one of the one of the things that our chief of staff Roy Neal would say to us all the time, there is no Gore position and Clinton position on any issue. There's only one position, there. And the uh, Clinton White House was, you know, put together in such a way that you really didn't have sort of competing centers of power on issues. They were worked out. You know, by and large quietly and within the VP's office and the president's office. And there was an integration in the staff that I think happened with Carter and Mondale as well. But it, but Carter and Mondale, it happened because Carter and Mondale happened to be two of the most, you know, um, decent human beings we've ever had in those offices. But, yeah. it, you know, it, it was really because they were both just very good. Good men and, and working together. But there's no particular reason they should have gotten along. I mean, Carter was a southern centrist. Mondale was an old fashioned northern New Deal liberal. I mean, you know, they didn't, have, they weren't, they weren't very simpatico other than the fact that they were both good men and made it work. But subsequently, I mean, look, look at Bush and Cheney. Not only were Bush and Cheney conservative, business minded Republicans, they both came from Texas. Yeah. I mean, you know i mean Cheney had to change his registration to Wyoming because the constitution says you can't have two people from the same state so um, but you know basically there were two Texas oil guys or two Texas big business guys and and of course they saw eye to eye and some people thought that Cheney who was more much more experienced than Bush some people thought that in the first term at least Cheney was the one running the show not Bush
0: mhm do you have a feeling that if Biden and, and Harris are elected, that it'll make a difference that she's a woman, that the vice president being a woman will make a difference?
1: Well, I mean, symbolically, it'll be huge, right? Because there's going to be little girls and young women all over the country saying, oh, I can do this too. You know, so so it's, it's terrific. But on... And, you know, you can see that perhaps there'll be areas of sensitivity in the decision-making process that a woman would bring to bear. But, you know, basically the reason that there is such a huge gender gap in the country is that women see the various policy agenda, various policy items on the democratic agenda as more in their interest than men do. So, you know, I I think that you, I'm not sure Sure, there will be a huge difference in policy because she's on the ticket, but I'm sure that being a woman of color and being a woman, she's going to bring a unique, you know, um, vantage point to things. Now, you know, the way this works is decision-making in a White House is a – in a normal White House, let me just say, because the Trump White House is anything but normal. Um, In a normal White House, the decision-making – you know is is a complicated process but it's basically there's a lot of people involved in it they draw up lists of options they answer questions etc when push comes to shove though on sensitive issues most often there's a closed door meeting between the president and the vice president and perhaps the chief of staff perhaps the head of omb perhaps you know somebody critical to the to the operation of that policy area and so having kamala harris in there giving private advice and having her sensibilities obviously is going to make a big be important but i'm not sure given that joe biden already and the democrats already had a robust woman's agenda i'm not sure that the differences will be that stark we we may have to wait till the history books are written to figure out exactly what impact the first female vice president has made and, and how how it was made.
0: Yes, I, I guess we will. Although it seems to me that she certainly is going to be more prominent than other vice presidents have been, or watched more, I guess. Maybe yeah. not more prominent in making decisions, but she'll certainly be watched more.
1: Oh, absolutely. She'll be watched more. She'll be criticized more. Will <laughs> threatened more. I mean, you know, the whole business that comes with being the first woman in any, you know, in any arena. I think that will that will most certainly happen.
0: The other thing I was wondering is if you had an idea about whether it makes a difference to have the first woman be the first woman vice president rather than what we were looking at with Hillary Clinton, which would have been the first woman president. You know, assuming, I, I assume that we're going to eventually have a woman president, but do you think it'll be different doing it this way?
1: No, I don't think so. And in a way, it gets people used to the idea. You know what I mean? You, you know, one of the, one of the interesting questions that we've looked at on the gender gap itself is that in 2016, there was real Hostility from male voters to Hillary Clinton. That's part of the explanation, it looks like, for why there were, there was this phenomenon in 2016 of the Obama Trump voter. Okay, people who were happy to vote for Obama, but then moved to Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, And it looks like there was a, you know, that what Hillary was facing in 2016 was, you know, a lot of complicated things. But one of them was a real antipathy to the notion of a woman president. And so this time, I think we're going to find, hopefully, we're going to find some uh, Trump-Biden voters. My guess is they will largely come from men. And, in fact, that's sort of what we're seeing in the polls. We're seeing men One of the reasons the polls are so big for Biden is that men are moving to Biden. Um, as And, of course, women have sort of been there. Um, earlier, so men are moving to Biden, and I think people need to get you need two things to happen when you have a change this big. People need to get just comfortable with the idea of a woman vice president right and a woman mm-hmm. president and having a woman vice president will will help them do that and then of course, there is generational change. you know the baby boomer men grew up in a different world. They didn't have college professors, for instance, who were women, right? They were likely not to have had their first boss in their first job be a woman. Um, My son-in-law, who is an Army helicopter pilot, he flew in Afghanistan with women co-pilots. I I, I suspect there weren't, there were almost no men flying in Vietnam with women Mm co-pilots. Okay, so. So the generational change is is very real, and, and I think we, we're we seeing some of this bear out this time around. And I think by 2024, certainly by 2028, you're going to have few, far fewer baby boomer men and women in the electorate and a lot more millennials and, and people who've grown up in a different era.
0: And so it, they'll just think it'll just be normal to them.
1: Yeah, it'll get to be normal. I mean, you know, what we have – and, and the, well, the other thing that's going to happen, and we're seeing this happen now, is in 2018 a huge number of women ran for Congress, and many of them won. Um, yes. The the Lots of women in Congress now. Well, that's the pipeline, right? I mean, women in – you know, you just don't wake up one day and say, well, let's see, I've never – been in public service, but I'm going to run for president. Unless you're Donald Trump and you have a lot of money and, and some notoriety and you manage to get really lucky, right? If that doesn't work. That doesn't work for most people, right? Most people have to start somewhere. And I frankly, I think after Donald Trump, the electorate will be a, a little bit more respectful of prior experience in the presidency. So, you know, I think we're, what we're seeing now is we're seeing lots of women in the pipeline. And who knows, you know, there might be a woman who's running for Congress right now who by 2028 or or 2032 is like, you know, a hot item on a presidential ticket. So I think that matters,
0: too, is just getting women in the pipeline. Well, just to go back for a minute and be sure of what you were saying, you're saying that people were against the idea, when Hillary ran, people were, were against the idea of a woman president not against the idea of Hillary. No, or no, more, the, the, more than no, than no,
1: a, no. It's, no, the two go together. In other words, they were against Hillary because they were against the idea of a woman president. But that you can't find this in the polling because everybody knew it was politically incorrect to say I, I don't think a woman can be president. Okay, <laughs> but we, all right, where we see it is that there are men. There were many men who had voted for Democrats in, in 2008 and 2012, who did not vote Democratic in 2016. And it looks like some of those men are, quote, coming home. They're coming back to the Democratic Party in uh, 2020. Um, okay. I, I would just – I'd refer you for the numbers to a piece that Bill Dalston – Wrote in, uh, recently on the Brookings website that, that sh- makes this argument and shows you, shows you the numbers and it's, it's quite interesting.
0: Huh. Okay. What do you see in, in terms of the give and take between, uh, at least as what we can tell so far between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Um, do you think that the fact that she's a woman might start to play more of an issue? Once they're elected, well, it may be that he's not as ready for a woman vice president as he thinks, or it may be that they'll just sort of slip into working with each other as though they've been working for a long time.
1: Oh, I I, I think it's the latter. I mean, you know, he's um, he seems to have had very good relationships with women and women staffers and stuff like that. So, look, the 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 thing about choosing a vice president, particularly in this day and age, is that the one thing we can't measure from the outside, and this was—I kept telling people this while the process was going on—we can't measure what the chemistry is. And for the presidential candidate, they're very concerned about the chemistry. They're very concerned. Not only do we, will we have a good working relationship for the next three months as we're battling for the election, but will we have a good working relationship once we're in the, gov- once we're in the government? So I think it I, I suspect Joe Biden has figured that out and feels that he's very comfortable with Paris on both counts.
0: Okay, because, of course, Trump keeps playing up this thing about how Biden should be mad at her because she went after him in the leading up to being yeah. chosen. And you know he he tries to sort of drum up a fight between them or whatever. Well,
1: they're resisting that. Well, believe me, it's not news to either one of them. So I don't know why I don't know why they obviously have gotten over it. And I don't know why (laughs) Trump keeps uh, Trump keeps you know look he's looking for things to say, but. Obviously, that probably had to Biden had to think long and hard about that. We know from press reports that he was really ticked off, and that his wife was also really ticked off. But um, they, we also know that that Kamala and his son, who was the, his son who died, who uh, was also an attorney general, were very close. That they were yeah. kind of family friends. So I, I suspect there's there's a lot there and and that this will be fine. I can't imagine. I can't, if this was really, if this was really, you know, as awful as Donald Trump makes it out to be, I can't imagine that Biden would have put her on the ticket.
0: (laughs) The other thing I wonder, we've seen about more women running for office and more women in Congress and in, in state legislatures, just more women in office. But I wonder if there might be another effect of, her becoming a vice president, and that might be in the different agencies and in government in general. Have you thought about that at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, the federal government is already, when it comes to women and minorities, it's one of the better workforces in the country. So that is already the case. I ex- And where it's not, of course, is in senior leadership positions, where in the SES, that's the cream of the civil service, women are not as numerous as men. My guess is that a female vice president is going to make these agencies in the, look long and hard at their promotions in the civil service and make sure they're promoting women as well as men. And I think it could have a big, big effect there in the, in the career civil service. I also expect that Biden will have a cabinet that's pretty much 50-50 male and female, and that the same will apply to many of his
0: sub-cabinet slots. Oh, what a thing to look forward to. Wouldn't that be wonderful to watch? Yep, it would watch be. That happen. In my notes, I have something that you said before. You said that Biden could be a lucky president. Is
1: that You know, just like Trump benefited from the economic rebound that had been put in place under the Obama administration, right, and he benefited a lot for some time from the good economy, what that points out is that, you know, there's a big element of luck in all politics, right? It's just like when it happens, and and of course, there's, there's time lags right? There's big time lags in what's happening. Biden could get very lucky for two things. First of all, if we really do get a vaccine by the end of this year and people start getting vaccinated in the spring, we might be able to finally get COVID-19 under control. If we get COVID-19 under control. Then we should see a big economic boom because there's a lot of pent up demand. I mean, just take one take one area. Take the wedding business, right? I mean, (laughs) I'd hate to be a I'd hate to be a wedding planner right now or own some beautiful, you know, venue for weddings. Because look at all the weddings that have gotten canceled. Yeah. If if you can manage to if you can manage to like get through this, I suspect 2021 2022 are going to be big years for weddings, right? <laughs> and so you know, and that's going to all think of all the industries, right? That that are have been sensitive to COVID, and it's a funny thing because we've had some businesses, grocery stores, are of course doing a great business, and restaurants are being killed. So. You know, COVID has had a di- a different effects on different parts of the economy. When it's over, we should see some pick up in demand, and I think that will also give Biden a very good economy to run on in his midterm
0: elections and and after that. Okay, well, that that is not something nice to look forward to. Um, yeah, thank you. The, the name of the book is Picking the Vice President, and I'm talking to Elaine K. Mark, and how lucky that you brought this out at this time when the Vice President has become such an important figure to, to women anyway. People can find the book on Amazon and through Brookings?
1: Yes, Amazon and Brookings, and it's an e-book, so you can download it. It's short and it's, and it's very, uh, cheap. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, Well, thank you for bringing the ideas to us today on Women's Focus.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Susan, and you stay safe, okay?